Welcome to Search for Meaning. I'm Yoshi Zweibach. Thanks so much for joining us. Why, when, where, what should I be? Is all I'm asking. Searching for the truth inside me. Today, I interview one of my musical heroes, Artie Butler. He's an incredible arranger, composer, pianist. Feeling all right? Joe Cocker, you like that arrangement? That's Artie. You like the piano part? That's Artie. You like What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong? Artie arranged that. Copacabana? Artie. He's amazing. His incredible hit, Here's to Life, is just gorgeous. He's going to talk about his Jewish journey. He's going to talk about his musical journey. You're going to love it. So one of the things that um, I remember you telling me once that I just love is how at a point in your life you wanted to be a chazan, that you thought you'd, you'd be a cantor. When, do you remember the first time you, you thought, I want to be a cantor? Um, I was raised in Brooklyn, New York, um, uh, and um, I went to Hebrew school. And of course, I went to a junior congregation, the Flappers Jewish Center in Brooklyn. And um, I would go to high holiday services with my family, with my parents. And I was so attracted to the prayers. And I would daven in the junior congregation. And I was the junior cantor in the uh, Temple for the for the for the kids temple, and would come Shabbos Hagadol, I would daven, to God to Shabbos I remember it so well, and I just loved it. I also loved Chuck Berry and Ray Charles, but I I had such a deep feeling for the melodies. And the cantor in my temple, he's gone. He was a hundred then. Hundred years old then when I was a kid. I don't know how old he was, but but he's uh, he had such a phenomenal voice. He was what I called a kupstimmer. He had, in Yiddish he had that voice, he had that soul. He just had it, and it just got to me, and uh, it made me cry, and and um, I loved it. I loved the music, and I wanted to be a chazan. You say chazan, I say chazan. Chazan, right? So, right. So. Um, so this was when you were a little this kid, and you I were already like 11 in and 12. junior congregation. But then I met this new friend in my life, Mr. Puberty. Mr. Puberty took my chances of being a chazan away. Why is that? Because you because decided... My, my I, voice changed. Oh, I got it. Okay. <laughs> my voice changed. Uh, also, you know what happened? Uh, I tasted my first cheeseburger. And when I tasted my first cheeseburger, um, sadly, uh, what do you mean you put cheese with meat? What do you? I, 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 I tried to convince the cantor to try it. Oh, are you kidding? I'm a, I became a swine. Now, you do you remember coming home and telling you? Did you tell your parents I had a cheeseburger? Well, or did they, they, they find they, out they about? They would have Chinese food on sun, uh, Sundays out outside of the house, not not in the house, of course, but never meet with. Never meet with dairy. Oh, are you kidding? 
but but uh, had a better chance of uh, having a bun meeting in my living room than having a <laughs> cheeseburger. Are you kidding? So 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 uh, uh, that that with the fact that Mr. Puberty was now in my life. And, and uh, I was getting older, and I was getting into the music and the music business, so the cantorial chances of being a cantor at a chazan, and I, and I got bar mitzvahed, and so I was at Hebrew school, and, and all the stuff of going to Hebrew school, and, uh, and becoming a teenager, and entering the music business at a very early age. So the Flappershire Center and my days there were waning. And you started arranging and playing professionally when you were still a teen. Uh, well, not arranging instantly, but playing very early. I was in the Catskill Mountains at 14 years old, uh, playing gigs. And uh, so, uh, uh, but my passion for cantorial music, I used to, in the Catskill Mountains. I used to see all the. I used to see uh, uh, Kosovitsky and, and all the great chazans and. And, and label a Waldman, all these great cousins. Uh, Did you get to accompany any of no, them? No, 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 no. Um, I was, I wasn't that old. I was, uh, but I, but these guys were rock stars. These guys were rock stars. They were rock stars before the Rolling Stones. Are you kidding? Before the Beatles, they would come with the gowns and with the with the they would hats with the jewel. Are you kidding? They were before Mick Jagger. Are you kidding? And and uh, women used to. Are you kidding? These guys were rock stars, and but it, it was not my path. It was not my breath. It was not to be my path, but I still love the music. And how does that music? You know, are there specific things either as an arranger or, or as a composer that, as you look back on moments in your career or chapters in your career, do you can you really feel that influence in certain places? No question about it. I I, um, I did a record. Many years later, with Jay from Jay and the Americans, the fam famous rock group Jay and the Americans, pop group, based on a Yiddish tune called "Via Hinzelach Gain," in translated means "Tell me where can I go." And it's a Yiddish tune. It's it's, it's where the Jews were chased. They weren't wanted here. They weren't wanted there. So somebody wrote. It's a beautiful melody. It's a minor tune, uh, and. It was it was it was a hit song in the '40s, I think, and um, it's a minor progression tune. Very 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 uh, beautiful melody, and I remembered it as a kid. And Jay from Jay and the Americans recorded it, and and um, and I did the arrangement, and it was in my DNA from a child. I pulled out stuff that I didn't even know I was doing it. That's the influence of my Jewish upbringing. It was in my DNA. And when I got the assignment to, to write the arrangement, I, I just needed to tap those emotions. And as I was writing the arrangement, I know what the lyric of the song is. Tell me where can I go? It's about the people that had no place to go. I feel it. I, I just get it. Nobody has to. And I. The music is in you. If the music is in you, wherever you move, whether you move to Nebraska or California or, 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 or wherever you go, that music and that, 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 that pain that you feel or the empathy, whatever the word you want to use, it goes with you. Like the blues. 
Right. And do you feel that, you know, like when you were at the Brill Building, when you were working with Lieber and Stoller? Um, I'm and having so, dinner with Mike Stoller tonight, actually. Well, when you're working with folks like that, so many Jews, obviously, you know, at that time in that right. in that place, um, what? How do you how do you understand that? Like, what, what is it about? What is it about Jews and music? What is it about uh, Jews know, and American music? I don't. I can't tell you because in my before my generation, it was the Tin Pan Alley. It was you know it, it was the Irving Berlin's and the Sammy Kahn's and the, you know and the, Sammy Kahn was a friend of mine. I wrote with him. Um, uh, the Gershwins and the, you know, the, the, I, I can't tell you, it was a form of expression, if getting out of your neighborhood and, 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 and expressing your childhood through, through, your, through your music, through your, through your literature, through your, uh, uh, making, getting, getting a better life, expressing your pain and, and, and uh, uh, um, um, you know, just you know, we I I myself, you know, wasn't very good at math. I I, I still can't figure out a checkbook, you know. Uh, and uh, um, um, uh, but but I'm am fine with a piano. Music is basically math- mathematical, but the art of it is not making it sound. I mean, mathematical. The art is not making it sound mathematical. I mean, you're talking about two four bars, four four bars, eighth notes, sixteenth sixteenth notes, but the the art of it is making it sound extremely fluid, you know. Right. Uh, well, and the emotionality of it too. I mean, I wonder mm-hmm. when you think about um, cantoral music. Right. You know, the the job of the chazan right. is to move you. That's right. that's that's his job well, is to try to to make your heart sing, to make your jo- soul it's sing. It's his job, but it comes from it comes from his bone marrow. It's it's maybe his job, but it, but it comes from his soul. It comes from his from from his innards, and it comes from his childhood, and what his grandparents brought to his parents, what his parents brought to him. He either has it, or he, it may be his job, but he either has that in his soul, or he doesn't, you know. And that that cry in his voice, that that transmit the transmit the pain and and the empathy. That can move people during the high holidays, or a Shabbat service, or, or even a happy song. It's not all sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jews don't only die; some of them live. <laughs> I mean, even happy songs. You know, I mean. How did you How did you first connect with uh, Mike and, um, you know, and Jerry? Jerry how did you guys I How did you guys first get connected? I was working in a recording studio, Bell Sound Studios in New York. I was sixteen and a half years old. I was setting up the studio, uh, and and uh, and one day they had a big session, and the piano player couldn't play the part, and it was, uh, um, uh, and I was sitting in my little stool in the control room, and you're not supposed to talk to the clients, but it was killing me, and I leaned over and I said, Mr. Lieber, Mr. Stoller, I could play that part, and the engineer and you're 16 years old? 16, 16 and a half years old. The engineer turned around and gave me the look of death. I knew I was going to catch hell the next day. And uh, and they turned around and said, Artie, you can play that? I said, I can play that part. So they said, okay, well, after we dismiss the orchestra, we'll give you a shot. So they dismissed the orchestra. The engineer went home, said, I'll talk to you tomorrow. I said, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my job. So they said, okay, Artie, here's your chance. So I marked the tape with a grease pencil, where to push record. So, and, I, and, and I went in, and 
but the tape went into playback and either Mike or Jerry, probably Mike, pressed the button going to record when I should play. And I overdubbed the piano part and I came in the back into the control room and I said, and I can play the blues too. <laughs> and they cracked up laughing and they looked at me and they said, quit your job and come work for us. Wow. Just like that. Just like that, Rabbi Yoshi. And I, I said, could you say that again? And Jerry Lieber said to me, do you, do you have a hearing deficiency? I said, no, I want you to say it again, slowly. And they laughed. They said, quit your job and come work for us. Wow. I said, I can't quit my job because they're nice to me here. I have to train somebody else because that's the right thing to do. And Mike Stoller said, I like that. It's an open door. Wow. Listen to this. You're going to love this because you're a man of integrity. We're, we're friends. I know you. But I trained somebody about three, four months later. I walked in, I walked to the front of the Brill Building, the famous brass doors of the Brill Building. I'm 16 and a half, 16, 16 and a half years old. I stood in front of the Brill Building and I looked at the building and I talked to the building. I said, last week, Brill Building, I delivered tapes to you. Starting this week, I, the, in, the, in, the beauty of naivety and innocence. Starting this week, Brill Building, I'm going to become a part of your history. I said, I don't even know what this means, but let me in your doors and give me a shot. I talked to the building and I walked in those doors. And here I am. I was 16 and a half years old. Here I am. 76 years old. I don't know how I got here except by the seat of my pants and some lucky breaks, but you have to be willing to do the work. It's inspiration and perspiration. And you got to have the chutzpah to say to Jerry and Mike, hey guys, I can play that part. That takes, 16-year-old kid, Yeah, that takes chutzpah. I, I'm do, working on a one-man show, which, which, by the way, is going to open in Vegas. Uh, in February of next year. I'm coming. I'm, I'm telling you you're coming. I'm driving you. <laughs> and, and in my show, I talk about how metaphorically we're all born with telephones inside of us, and through our lifetime we get phone, phone calls, but not everybody answers the phone. That was one of my first phone calls, and I answered the phone that day. And I'm going to have a little phone in the piano and, and, and when I tell a story. And... I'm telling you, I stood in front of that building and I said, let me in here. I'm going to become a part of you. And I walked through the doors and I don't know how I got here to talk to you today. And I have other stories along the way. Believe me, I do. But that's the first time and I walked in that building and I walked into Lieber and Stoller's office. And from the day I walked in there, I started learning because I never graduated high school. I quit school and went to, went to work in the music business. I'm not proud of that, but it's true. Now, how much older are Mike and Jerry than you? Ten years. Okay, so they were kids too. You're you're 16, and they're 26, and and I, they're I think 10 years. Yeah, and uh, and so you're working on things like leader of the pack. And yeah, well, yeah, well, that was that was that was for another producer for their record company. They didn't produce that. That was for a guy named George Shadow Morton for their record company. Um, I was making those records. And, and you're and playing I, piano for them? You're not arranging yet? No, right? I'm playing piano and arranging. I, I arranged uh, The Boy from New York City, the first one, the, for, for, for 
for the ad libs. My uh, leaving Stoller produced it. I arranged it. Uh, I, now I'm older. Now I'm about 21, 22. Right. Um, um, but what a what a journey. I, um, um, I got to I, I got to watch their magic show every day, and they were the they were the Houdinis of the music business. I mean, it was an unbelievable experience. And what a time to be there, Carol King. Ah, unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, well, Carol King and Neil Sedaka, uh, Neil's one of my closest friends, uh, and, and, and uh, those people, Batman and Batman, Cynthia Wall, they were in another office. They weren't in Liebman Stoll's office. They were from. They were in another. They were in uh, also Donnie in the Brill Kirsch's, Building, though. Not in the Brill Building. Okay. Uh, generically, uh, the Brill Building area, okay. to, but not not the Brill Building itself. Another area. And Donnie was uh, Carol Donnie, King's producer, right? A publisher. Publisher. Okay. Right. Um, uh, they were uh, Carol King and Jerry Goffin and Neil Sedaka. They were signed to Kirshner Music. Right, all and, the music. And were you comp and were you composing already at that point? I started composing pretty much afterwards. Uh, uh, I wrote a song called "Down Home Girl" with, with Jerry Lieber that was on one of the first Rolling Stones albums. I couldn't believe it. Wow! It's one of their early, it's on one of their early, uh, one of their early albums. Jerry called me up. You know that blues tunes tune you and I wrote "Down Home Girl." He says, "Yeah, he gives me the album." Wow. And and your parents, you know, on the one hand, you know, you had had these dreams of being a, a chazan, which I'm sure your parents were very supportive of. And then and then and then you don't end up com completing high school. And now you're, you know, working in rock and roll. Were they were they supportive? Did they feel like, oh, Artie, we wanted you well, know you to go to my, college? My, my mother wanted me to be a doctor. Uh, you know, she was of that generation. My father um, wanted me to be happy. And there's a lot of um, uh, angst within that. Um, you know, so uh, the first 15 years of my life when I would write a letter, I would sign it, Artie Butler, MD, just to keep your mother happy. <laughs> I just never told MD he was musical director. So she found out just just to keep her happy, you right. know. So uh, um, did she have a sense of humor like no. uh, like you do? No? no, no, right. My dad did. Yeah, yeah. So uh, um, you know, there was a, that was a big. Uh, if I wasn't a doctor, you know, that was a big thing. She she really wanted. She was of that generation, you know. How long did they live? Did they get to see you know your successes? Well, yeah. well my parents split. When I was 16, I went to live with my dad. But yes, they did get to see my successes. Um, I think my mother would have been happier had I been uh, a urologist or a, or, a, or a doctor of some sort or a dentist. Specifically a urologist? Well, was I mean, that... any kind of doctor. I just okay. picked that one out. Um, uh, um, any kind of doctor. Right. I, or, she, or, or that generation referred to a doctor, a doctor. Right, a doctor, a doctor, a doctor, a doctor. Right, you know, when you were my father wouldn't care if I drove a cab if I was happy. Right, and when you you know working with with Mike and Jerry and Neil Sadaka and later Neil Diamond, yeah. uh, Milton Berle, so many uh, so many Jews. I think of Milton at what point all, would I think of Milton all the time? Were, were there moments when you you 
sort of reflected on that? Like, were, were there ever moments where you're all sitting around and saying, isn't this crazy? There are not that many Jews in the world. We've been through all these different challenges in our lives as, as a people. And here we are at the, at the height of the music industry. All of these composers, all of these performers, I think about it all the time when I think about Jewish um, influence and I think about what relationship it might have with chazanut, with classical uh, cantorial arts. I think about what it means to be an insider and an outsider at the same time. I, I, I try to understand that. But were you guys ever sort of self-aware um, about that? Were you sort of considered it? I don't think so, because I think I can only tell you from myself and my people of my generation, it was all about expression it was all about um not doing what our parents did nobody not going in your parents business you know uh, none of us wanted to go in our parents business most of our parents were born overseas most of us you know um and it was all about the rush of creating it was it was such a rush uh, and and the other thing is, Rabbi Yoshi, that what we did, I can only speak for myself, we went to work every day. That's what we did. Like the guy that comes and fixes his te- your television, then he goes to another. T- we made records. We made music. That was the work that we did every day. That was our job. Um, we were passion-driven. And what a thrill it was to be passion-driven. And I myself never, ever thought that a record that I made would be around a year later. Wow. How about 50 years later? So um, the music industry is dynamic. It keeps changing. And when you think about, you know, your your early work and, you know, the Brill building, your decision to come out west, and, uh, and maybe if we have time, we'll talk a little bit about how you got into digital recording. But... What I'm interested in, in terms of the changes, um, you know, uh, you've seen so many changes in the way music gets recorded, in the way composition works. Um, what are some of the changes that you've seen that, that that excite you and inspire you? I'm sure there are changes that you know make you think, "Oh, vey," you know, what's happened. But what are some things like in, in contemporary music or, or things? You know, I know you continue to collaborate with artists of all ages. What are some things that you're seeing that, that, that excite you, give you hope, inspire you? Well, you know, just last night, I watched uh, a TV show. Uh, my wife said, watch, I want you to watch this singer. Uh, the show with, with Lionel Richie and... Uh, and uh, American Idol American or Idol, America's yeah, Got yeah. Talent, one of those, one, yeah. One of those, yeah. And there was this young girl singer on. There was two of them. They were both really good. One in particular, she said she lives in Las Vegas and she works at uh, um, um, one of the burger joints, Flippin' Burgers. And she was an all-American girl, uh, 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 and when uh, she started to sing, I said to my wife, I said, Sharon, there is such talent out there. It's astonishing. Then there was a young kid that played the piano and sang. And Lionel, who was a friend of mine, was so taken aback by him, and so was Katie and the other guy on the show, so taken aback by this young kid. I said, whoa, 
this is the next generation and their voice and their blood and their energy. It was wonderful to see and wonderful to hear. And it makes me feel good um, because my generation, and I'm still kicking, believe me, I'm still kicking. Um, I was up at quarter after four this morning at the piano. I had an idea for something. I get up four, four thirty every morning, go to piano, and if I go there and there's nothing, come I, 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 sometimes I go back to sleep. Most times I don't, but I had an idea for something. But I don't believe that when I go, I'm taking the music with me. <laughs> Otherwise, who had it before me? Uh, you know, they're not putting it in the box with me, and. It makes me feel good to see that there's, that there's the next supply. I mean, they were so good. This 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 girl, these two girls, and this young kid who played the piano and sang. And man, he was a good piano player. I love that. Uh, I love what you just said. You know, I don't believe I'm taking the music with me. And well, you can I, think I, about it in everything, whether it's whether it's music or art or anything. or the rabbit. It's like you you think. That uh, that it didn't exist before you got exactly. here, and that when you're gone, it's over. Exactly, that's that's no way to think about exactly. it. Exactly, it's on loan. It's on loan. That's why when you call me and say, "Listen, would you listen to this guy, this friend of mine?" Say, Rabbi Yoshi, the answer is not yes. The answer is of course, because I'm here for you know I'm 76. Please God, another 20, 20 15 years of active duty, or whatever. And whatever songs I have, let them be here when I'm gone. But if somebody, if you call me and say, listen to this kid, you know, the answer is, when can he come? Right. Not no or yes, it's when can he get here? Because it has to be. Now it's beautiful. And, and you also remember people who did that for you, you know. No question about it. I also remember people that turned me down. Right. And the feeling... Well, that's our podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Artie Butler for his time, for his music, for his love. Hey, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and share it with a friend. Maybe they'll like it too. I don't know. Thanks to everybody who makes the podcast possible. Our producer, Jeremy Goldstein. Our editor, Raz Husseini. Our theme music is by David Cates and myself and features a vocal by Josh Goldberg. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.